WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Good afternoon. It is 68 degrees. I'm Mike Martini with the WMKV News. Warren County Coroner says a Lebanon woman whose body was found lodged in a basement window died of compressive asphyxiation. 44-year-old Esther Klein was discovered by her husband upon his return from an out-of-state business trip last night. Detectives think Klein may have been locked out of the house and was trying to get back inside her home on Mohawk Drive. Police say her body was found partially lodged in a small basement window. Consumer products giants Procter & Gamble must pay fines of more than $307 million to the European Union for fixing laundry detergent prices in eight EU countries. Its main competitor, Unilever, also faces fines, although not as hefty, after the two companies' allegedly uh, alleged collusion was reported to the European Commission by a German laundry soap maker. Cincinnati-based P&G is the world's number one household product producer and owns the brand names Tide, Gain, and Era brands of laundry detergents. Unilever makes detergent products under the brand names Omo and Surf in Europe. Police and firefighters and other city workers in Norwood are worried that they will not be getting a paycheck soon as their city officials battle over a budget deal. City council met last night but could not agree on a budget. At issue, concessions from police and fire unions. Police and fire make up about two-thirds of Norwood's budget, about half of the city's employees. City's auditor says even if the council cuts all other city services, including pools and community centers, they still cannot balance the budget. Speaking of budgets, during a speech today at George Washington University, President Barack Obama proposed $4 trillion in cuts in the growth of Medicare spending, cuts in defense, and an end to tax loopholes, along with an end to tax cuts for wealthier Americans. His speech today put the blame for the nation's rising debt on spending increases and tax cuts enacted during the previous administration. Obama's plan differs from a $5 trillion in cuts, plan over the decade proposed by House Republicans. Wall Street today stocks managed small gains after a Federal Reserve report on the economy offered a snapshot of a modest steady recovery. That report and the president's speech uh, cheered investors who had not been entirely excited with J.P. Morgan Chase's first results, first quarter results. Crude oil also went back up again over $107 a barrel and gold moved higher today. The Dow Industrials finished up 7 points to 12,271. The blue chips had seen an early gain of 71 points disappear before a rebound around 2 o'clock. The S&P was up a quarter of a point to 1314, and the Nasdaq was up 17 points to 2762. Strength of the market was in technology, particularly Apple, Qualcomm, and Google, and utility stocks. Energy shares, which had tumbled in Tuesday's sell-off, were higher. Bank, metals, and chemical stocks were lower. The energy stock rally was prompted by crude oils uh, settling up $0.86 to $107.11 a barrel. Gold was up another $2 to $1,455 an ounce. Interest rates slightly lower. The 10-year Treasury yield fell to 3.466% from 3.5% yesterday after a decent auction of 10-year notes. Manufacturing continues to lead the economy, the Fed report said, with widespread gains across the country. However, there are concerns about the impact of the Japanese earthquake for exporters and manufacturers who get parts from Japan. 
Job markets improving. There's little or no wage pressure. Manufacturers did note that they are facing higher materials costs. Real estate markets are weak, but there is improvement in apartment leasing and construction, according to the Fed report. So that's the news around the Tri-State and Wall Street. And now here's George Zahn with a look at this date in history. George? Thank you, Mike. Let's take a look at this April 13th, 1782. Washington, North Carolina was incorporated as the first town to be named for George Washington. 1796, on this April 13th, the first known elephant to arrive in the United States came to America. How do you sneak one in? Uh, The elephant was from Bengal, India, and entered the USA through New York City. 1943, the Thomas Jefferson Memorial was dedicated in Washington, D.C. on this, the anniversary of Jefferson's birth. 1958, April 13th, Van Cliburn of Kilgore, Texas, earned first prize in the Soviet Union's Tchaikovsky International Piano Contest that was held in Moscow. And 1963, Pete Rose got his first major league hit for our Cincinnati Reds. And exactly 21 years later to the day, Charlie Hustle collected his 4,000th hit. Rose was playing then for Montreal when he achieved that feat. In 1972, I hope we can avert this in football this year, but 1972, the first strike in the history of Major League Baseball ended. Players had walked off the field 13 days earlier. That's a look at just some of Today in History on this April 13th, along with Mike Martini. I'm George Zahn for WMKV. And uh, thank you, George, and we'll uh, have traffic and weather coming up after this. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Support comes from Cincinnati Ballet, joining forces with three choreographers and the beloved songwriting team Over the Rhine to present infamous love songs. Over the Rhine performs 19 songs live on stage with Cincinnati Ballet dancers in this exciting collaboration, April 29th through 30th at the Aronoff Center. Tickets at cballet.org or at 513-621-5282. And we'll check on traffic right now. We have an accident northbound 75, north of Hopple. It's blocking the right side. Uh, Also, in the 2700 block of Harrison Avenue, an accident. 9800 block of West Road. North Bend at Sprucewood, north 75, north of 74, an accident on the right shoulder. Also, Reading and East University. Among the backups, north 71, off and on through Red Bank. South 71 at Pfeiffer, north 75, backs up at Ezra Charles. Got some backups on westbound 275 between Kentucky 17 and the construction zone and a south 75 around the Brent Spence Bridge. Some delays there as well. Your forecast this evening, clear skies, a low around 38. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 72. But then on Friday, a 50% chance of rain and a high of 65 degrees. Right now, we're 67 here at 89.3 WMKV. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. 
Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your public radio source for all news and information, real estate related. And we are just super excited today because uh, I have a guest that, to my knowledge, has never in the history of the world agreed to be on a radio show before. His name will be familiar to some of you and should be familiar to all of you. It is Pete Fortunato, who got out of high school um, back in 1965, determined to become self-employed. And indeed, by the time he graduated from college, already had a real estate clientele and an investment portfolio. By 1975, he... uh, quit the whole working for fees thing and was completely financially independent in the sense that he had so much real estate that he was able to completely fund his lifestyle. He continues to teach and attend real estate investment seminars and meetings to this day. And we are thrilled to have him here today. Joining us from his home in Tampa is Pete Fortunato. Pete, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Uh, the only thing you misstated, you said I wanted to be self-employed. I really wanted to be unemployed. I just had to work until I could afford to be unemployed. Yeah, I, I, I heard that uh, I heard that someone told me that um, when you were first getting started, everybody told you that you were actually unemployable. That is still the case. <laughs> And and, and and we should all strive to be such. Um, now, Pete, you are making a visit to Cincinnati RIA on May the 14th and the 15th to do a two-day seminar about really making making deals that other people can't make, that your competitors don't know how to put together. And in thinking about, uh, you know, how to, how to do a 40-minute radio show on that topic mm-hmm. um, <laughs> versus a two-day seminar, uh, we, uh, we, we, were, we were a little flummoxed about how to sort of, sort of focus this. But I think one of, the, one of the important things that you talk about that I don't hear other places is how important the people in the deal are and and how many how many different kinds of people there could be in any given real estate deal? I mean, everybody talks about the buyer and the seller and the private lender, but uh, you go way beyond that, and it it all goes really back to your belief that deals aren't found. Right, right. Uh, I, I, nothing is more irritating to me than the continual question of when you find a good deal, will you please give me a call? And I just keep thinking, these people have no idea about (laughs) taking responsibility. When we're out there in the real world pursuing things and asking people to help us out and recruiting allies, we find opportunities. Then it's our job to convert those opportunities into good deals. Mm -hmm. But good deals don't just show up begging at your door. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and nor, in my experience, do you stumble across them all that often. They <laughs> no, you, you stumble across all kinds of opportunities, and that's where you have to care about the people, because all opportunities. Warren Harding taught me way back in the early early seventies that every 
opportunity stems from an uncomfortable circumstance of some human being or of some family. And if you don't care enough to discover what that uncomfortable circumstance is, then the opportunity to make a deal for yourself by improving their situation is minimized or never even spotted because you didn't care about the other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My, uh, my dad, when I was growing up, was an appraiser. I mean, I'm a good one. He'd be going to court and testifying. And he could add the, the bricks, and he'd say, that property is worth $47,936.17. And he literally could document that. And I'd look at him and say, to whom? <laughs> because it is, it is the whom part, the people that give value. And mm-hmm. without people, there is no value. And, and for every person, that same property has a different value. And so those people who, who spend too much time focusing on numbers are doomed to fail to make great deals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, can you can you give us a a quick example of the the type of uh, situation, the type of deal that that you deal with personally, where the value to one person in the transaction is looks completely different than the value of the other person or people? Oh, sure. Um, one of the things common. Now, I live in in St. Pete area of, of Florida, and. One common call that I get, recognize I've been doing this 45 years, so I do get an awful lot of calls, is someone who will call or a couple who will call and say, we've been to the doctor. The doctor has said we can't handle stairs anymore. All of a sudden, that home where they lived, where they raised their family, where they were very happy, no longer has the value to them it used to have. So when I trade them, a condo in an elevated building, or I give them a ranch-style home with no stairs, I have made them happier, made them safer, and acquired a house that I like more than I gave up, or else I wouldn't have done it. And they've done the deal with me because they like what I gave them more than what they gave up. And that's the crux of all transactions with people. Mm -hmm. Not that the numbers balance, but they're happier with what they got than with what they gave up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's that's another thread that runs through a lot of a lot of your uh, teaching and seminars. And we should we should add that you've also been doing that for what thirty years. I remember my dad took one of your oh, no. seminars. No, but when I got out of high school, I was eighteen. Of course, I looked like I was fourteen. I had no assets and no credibility, and so I had to show people that I could do something. That I could offer them something. So before I was 19 years old, we ran an ad in the local newspaper saying, free real estate seminar, call the Fortunato office. (laughs) And people would call, and my secretary slash mother would answer the (laughs) phone, and she'd say, well, that one's filled up, but as soon as Mr. Fortunato has another one, if you'd like to be on the list, we'll call you. And once I had 12 people, I called them all back. Usually eight or nine of them came. We'd sit around a round table. And I talk about the parts of a deal in real estate that were available and how to spot them and how to use them. And it wasn't a hard hour for me. I talked about income and tax benefits and growth and profit and amortization and use of a property and the thrill of management. Uh Well, that's an easy one-hour talk. And at the end, I'd answer questions for a little while. We had a roundtable. 
uh, a Mr. Coffee machine, some Dunkin' Donut holes, and usually as a result of that talk with eight or nine, maybe ten people around a round table, I end up with one customer or client. So really the speaking part was a big part of real estate as both a broker and as uh, an investor for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about who some of those other people are. And we're also going to take your phone calls, listeners, at 772-9658, 877-772-9658, or your questions via email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from Charles Vonderhaar CPA. For 33 years, Charles Vonderhaar has been providing a wide variety of accounting, tax, and financial management services tailored to meet the needs of both individuals and businesses. His firm also offers personal services for clients in the following areas, individuals, small business, real estate investors, retirees, and trusts. More information about Charles Vonderhaar CPA at 513-563-0598 or at vonderhaarcpa.com. And we're checking on traffic now. We have an accident north 75 north of Hopple, partially blocking the right lane. 2700 block of Harrison, 9800 block of West Road, north bend at Sprucewood, north 75 at 74 in the right shoulder, and Reading at East University are your accidents so far this afternoon. Your forecast this evening, uh, clear skies, a low of 38 degrees. Sunny tomorrow with a high around 72, but a 50% chance of rain Friday. And then on Saturday, a 70% chance of rain. Sunday looks good, uh, sunny with a high around 62 degrees. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Bina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Pete Fortunato. And yes, that is his real name. He did not change it to get into the real estate speaking business, although that would have been a good thing to change it to if that was what you were planning on doing. Um, we're talking today about the people in the deal, because when you understand who all the people that could be in the real estate deal are, you can make better deals, you can fund all of your deals, you can parcel out your deals in different ways to folks who want different things. And it just generally makes the whole negotiation thing a whole lot easier when you're finding the people who already want what it is you have to offer. So Pete, let's 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 talk about some of the some of the different types of people that you've identified out there who want to get involved in real estate deals in different ways. Okay. Well, when I go out to, to make a transaction or in the hopes of making a transaction, I I have to discover what's in it for the other people. I already know what's in it for me. I've got my goals established. So everyone I meet, I don't know what their goals are, I have to care enough to discover that. Well, many times I'm dealing through a broker or today with everybody preferring the Internet so they don't ever have to go face-to-face with somebody. I have to uh, say, well, does this person sound more like uh, 18 years old or 80? And I would surely not create the same transaction for an 80-year-old that I would for an 18-year-old. But I'm essentially looking to deal with capitalists. I want to deal with people who understand that they can acquire enough assets in their life and they've established a goal of getting enough assets so that the assets can provide for their lifestyle. So one day they're free to do whatever it is that they love to do. And so for me, I see the general population, the marketplace around me, as comprised of starters, people who just realized, they've just awakened and said, I'm going to get some assets. 
And then estate builders, people who are somewhere on the journey from getting started to the final goal, which is to become an ender, who is someone with enough assets to provide for their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So when I start talking to somebody, or if I'm dealing in a situation where I haven't met the people, a broker has brought me a deal, I've asked them some questions, but I really am going to make an offer as a form of research to discover more information about the people, because the odds that an offer that I'd initiate without meeting the people would be even close to the mark are fairly small. So when I look, I see the starters, and I look at them, and I tend to see managers on the one side who are people who are interested in annuities and want that $50 a month, $100 a month, and then speculators on the other side who are who tend to be business people who want to make profit, and they want to buy and sell and pay uh, some taxes but generate lump sums as opposed to annuities. Then, of course, anybody in any real estate market may be a user who's found a place that they would like to use for, to house their family. So I look at those starters and I see managers on one side and speculators on the other. Once they become estate builders and they start to have some assets, then I see people who are equity people and really do like to manage real estate, maybe more sensitive uh, to inflation and uh, not as adverse to the threat of a plunger. Uh, and then I see paper people who want to be note holders and mortgage holders um, in the estate building, mm -hmm. in the, among the estate builders. Finally, they end up with enders. And in every market, there are enders, successful people who have, through a, through a business that they've been a part of or through investing in something, created enough assets so that the assets will take care of them for the rest of their lives. And those people also are equity people who really want property and paper people who don't want uh, the, what they consider to be the threat of uh, getting dirty and having to go <laughs> deal with the real estate. Now, one of the things we're seeing a lot of today with enders is enders with quite substantial pension plans and IRAs, which are very often available along with their counsel because they're so experienced to really help a starter put a deal together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's the way I look at the marketplace. And so if I haven't met the people, I at least try to slot them into one of those three arenas and then maybe equity or paper people based on my best guess. And very often when I make an offer and I get started, I discover that I was wrong. And then I find out what it is that really suits them. And, and that in every case is the is the end all. That's what makes people do business. They're happier with what you've constructed and made possible for them than they are with the situation in which they find themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> um, your starters, the folks that you're identifying as managers sure. or speculators, or as I think the rest mm -hmm. of us would call them, uh, landlord types and flipper types. Okay, <laughs> I think sure, is, sure. Is, is, is is the categories that those. Uh, sort of fall into. Most people in a real estate club or in a real, uh, in a, um, you know, sort of a, maybe even a, a loosely knit community of real estate investors, that's who they meet. They, 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 they think that all they know is starters because that's who they see around them as the guy who's trying to do his first deal. 
And that quickly becomes frustrating to a lot of people because they want to go out there and they want to find those those money people, the ones who will partner with them, <laughs> the ones who will who will be private lenders, the ender who wants to help the starter. Do yep. do you have any uh, advice about how to how to go about meeting those folks when let's face it other than you the guy with 40 years experience is not at the RIA meeting well i you know i've always been a a believer in asking for help and i i can't get over that people think that keeping something a secret is a good way to go forward and so one of the things that i did uh, and when my kids got uh, done with high school, uh, I had them do, is always go knock on doors in a community that we're interested in. Now, we don't knock on doors seeking to buy a house. I talked to people, Jack Miller used to go out and knock on a person's door, say, your house looks like hell, I bet you need to sell it, don't do it. And, and Jack would buy their house. I never was able to do that. But uh, and let me tell you, that's exactly the way Jack approached me. But for me, I would go out into a neighborhood, and not, I like to knock the doors. I don't mind doing that. But, for example, my, my middle son really didn't like that. So he'd go out and talk to anyone who was outside, mowing the lawn, painting, but just talk to folks in the neighborhood and ask them. Say, hi, my name is Pete Fortunato. I'm looking to buy a house in this neighborhood. How long have you lived here? So you really need to get them speaking. And talk to them. Ask them what's changed since they've been there. Who do they know? And before you leave, very, very important, and this has led to so many good deals for me over the years, I say to the person, will you please, and now for everybody who's taking notes, those are key words, will you please call me or have a neighbor call me when someone has an extra house in your neighborhood? So what happens is weeks later, Months later, years later, from a totally unknown source, I get a phone call saying, my neighbor said you're interested in the house. And those people who I set out as, I, I solicited as allies, and who said, yes, I will have someone call, people keep their promises and they call me. And that's really and truly where it starts. I bought two houses last year, and the reason I bought them was they were, they were nice houses, but a major reason is they had a hard money, not meaning hard in that it's hard to pay back, but hard money that, meaning that the man took cash out of the bank and made a loan on two houses. Mm -hmm. The loan on those houses was $100,000 on each of two houses at 5.9% for 30 years. So when I discovered in talking to another friend of mine and again, it's, a lot of my stuff is repeat and referral because I've done this such a long time. That this man had made these loans, I made an offer on the property to buy those properties with those loans in place, so buy subject to the private loan. I then went to meet with the couple who made the loans. I said, listen, I'm thinking of buying these houses. These people are in their 80s. I said to them, sitting at their dining room table, why in the world? It's very unusual for me to discover people in their 80s who are making $100,000 loans to people. I said, what, what prompted you to do that? And he said, well, you know, I had this $200,000 in the bank 
my bank was paying nine-tenths of 1%, so I was getting $150 a month. He said, I made these loans on these two houses, which were within a mile from my house, at 5.9%, giving me $1,150 a month. That was a $1,000 a month raise for me. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I, our, our Social Security is $1,000 a month. We worked for 40 years to get that. All we did was take our money out of the bank and make a loan on this house. Well, see, if I, if I tried to find those people by running ads or doing that kind of thing, that doesn't work. Get in the real estate business, talk to everybody about what you're trying to do, and never get off topic. Recognize, now you know me well enough to realize, there's 359 degrees of the world that I ignore. <laughs> if it's not with regard to an investment or real estate, I have nothing to talk to people about. This is what I do. And because of that, I get a lot of feedback. And I like to tell people, I interfere in everybody's life around me. Because the more I know about them, the more I can plug them in to help me put a deal together. Everyone in the marketplace, as well as those star- among those starters, estate builders and enders and paper guys, managers, flippers, there are people who are catalysts who help put deals together. Their IRAs will buy a note at a discount. Their property managers who lease it take the burdens of management off the back of someone who doesn't want them. Uh, there are people who can rehab a property and get it into shape so it then works for me because you give me a tool and I only do damage. So we need those people, and you need to find out who they are and then plug them in to help you make a deal. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that breeze you are feeling right now is the breath of fresh air that uh, comes when you hear somebody say, you actually have to talk to people to do real estate deals. It's right. It doesn't happen over the Internet like you are you you are being sold. Uh, we need to take a quick break, but we welcome your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from UC Health Audiology and Hearing Aids. Are you or a loved one struggling to understand conversation in noisy places or frequently asking others to repeat themselves? These are signs of hearing loss, a condition that can easily be treated. The physicians and audiologists of UC Health can give you an accurate hearing evaluation and diagnosis. More information available at 475-8453 today to schedule a hearing evaluation or at ucphysicians.com. Well, we have two accidents right now, both of them on northbound 71. The first one you come to is around Dana Avenue on the right shoulder, and then up by the Norwood Lateral exit, another accident also on the right shoulder. We have backups in the usual spots, but perhaps heavier than usual, westbound 275, between Kentucky 17 and the construction zone, and eastbound 275 Montgomery towards corner. 75 southbound slows at the Brent Spence Bridge, 75 northbound around Hopple and Glendale Milford, 71 northbound at the accident sites near Dana, and again up near Pfeiffer. Forecast tonight, clear skies, a low of 38 degrees. Sunny again tomorrow, another nice day, a high around 72, but a 50% chance of rain Friday and a 70% chance on Saturday. Did you ever want to meet the faces behind the voices? WMKV is proud to offer tours of the Cromer Mashburn family studio and the entire radio station. From individuals to groups, we hope you will stop in or schedule a tour by calling 513 513- 
713-782-2427. That's 513-782-2427. We hope to see you soon at WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is guru to the gurus, Pete Fortunato, who is... uh, who is uh, coming to visit Cincinnati RIA on May 14th and 15th. You can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. Also, Cincinnati RIA has a one-day bookkeeping seminar coming up this coming Saturday with Jerry Fink, real estate investor and non-practicing CPA. If your books are a mess or you just don't know how to get them started, you might want to go check out CincinnatiRIA.com. Find out about that all-day seminar because he will he'll straighten you out been to that one twice and um, I feel 99% straightened out after the second time bookkeeping and I have a have a long unhappy relationship uh, together um, Pete uh, yeah. the um, before we went to the break you mentioned catalyst and actually there, we, we, we got a question in by email that I want to I want to go ahead and get answered first uh, right. this is from JC in Las Vegas, he says, I am definitely what you would call a starter. I want to acquire assets, but I don't have very much money. What skills should I get that I can trade? Interesting way to put that. Management. I mean, absolutely flat out, there's nothing in the world more important today, and probably in most markets, than management. Because you talk about find a need and fill it. There are houses everywhere that are access to people. And they don't know what to do with them, and no one wants to take care of them, except, of course, in a re- in a rear group there are for some people. But management buys you a place in a deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think there's anything anywhere that can, that is as significant in terms of enabling you. I can help you acquire something, but once you've got it, if it's just going to take you apart then you're not going to be successful no matter how well you've acquired it. So I, I think without question, the answer to that, to that particular question is management. You've got to be able to understand that putting the, a good family into a property who will stay a long time and take care of the place is critical. Unless you, you're willing to do that, uh, unless you're able to do that, you will quickly burn out and mess up real estate deals. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a that's an interesting uh, statement because uh, I talk to a lot of out of town owners of property in Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, they you know they 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 were sitting there in California. They looked across the <laughs> middle of the country and they said, "Wow, I can buy a whole house in Cincinnati for a, a down payment here in San Diego. I should yeah. do that." And mm-hmm. the reason I'm talking to them is now it's two years later and the management company that they hired to, quote, take care of the property, uh, has basically stolen them blind. And yep. the, uh, the, the ones that are uh, happy with their investments are ones that ha- actually had partners here on the ground, people who, if the deal didn't work, they didn't make any money, as opposed to the property mm-hmm. manager who takes your 10% of gross, whether or not he's managed to keep anybody in the unit who hasn't beaten it up. So I, I, I would say my experience here locally is there is a huge demand for competent, honest uh, folks and, and who are... sighted See, mm-hmm. sighted Not the people who make big mistakes will work very, very hard, but they'll put people in and grab that money. 
And now all they've done is give themselves someone to talk on the phone with endlessly <laughs> and to go fix things for. And if you want to do that, go buy an apartment building and provide services. But one of the reasons I've liked the houses so very much, I put nice families in my houses, and our deal is I won't bother them if they don't bother me. And they stay, I mean, our, the overwhelming majority of our tenants now are longer than eight years. My longest is 18 right now, and the longest I ever had was 26 years. And I was outraged when she went to a nursing home and abandoned me. <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. Um, another question here by email, sort of sort of getting into this idea of uh, the other people in the deal. And this one is from Mark in Houston. He says, okay, I understand that there are people out there who have more money and more experience than I do, but how can I as a newbie communicate the benefits that are going to help those people to them? Okay. I've got, I've got some... Um, some of my cheapest properties, and I'm now an ender, I would love to consolidate by trading three of my less expensive properties for one nicer one. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason is I go to one tenant instead of three, I have one property instead of three, and for me, at my stage in life, I would love to do that. Well, as a, a, as a starter, if you can find someone out there in your marketplace who would like to come down from their one big house into three because they've got too much debt to handle in this market. Mm -hmm. They've got a $150,000 in debt on their house. I'll trade them three, three houses, and with two houses to rent and one to live in, they can handle their debt. For me, I'll give up the cash flow to have the ease of management. Well, I'm looking to put those kind of transactions together all the time. A starter, knowing that that's what I like to do, can easily insert himself into that by writing that very offer for someone else and then bringing that transaction to me. No different than somebody who's thinking about flipping and assigning a contract would do the same thing. Um, a, a person who's a good manager. Uh, matter of fact, I've got a young man who came to me last year. And we've now turned three houses over to him on a sandwich lease where we lease it to him for a percentage of what he subleases for. And he does a great job. He's a young guy I really like. He's doing a terrific job. As I've gotten older, I don't do, I'm not as attentive to management as I once was. And so I'm tickled to death. But he came and sought me out and said, I'll do this for you. And we sit and talk and, and talk less now as he's really getting... I'm more and more comfortable with what I want and me. I'm getting more comfortable with him. If you keep it a secret, you won't find out. You have to talk to people. Mm -hmm. You have to ask people uh, when you're out there trying to build a, a buyer's list or an investor's list. Don't just ask the people if they want to buy something. Ask them, have you ever done a deal you liked? If they say no, then perhaps they're not the investor you're looking for. <laughs> If they say yes, they will please tell me about it. Once they've described it, now you've got a template to bring that sort of deal to them to open the discussion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, it's that, that was surely important to me back years and years ago when I was a real estate agent. And, and Mark, I think 
I think the the takeaway from that, and Pete, Pete, you can correct me if if I'm wrong, is it's not so much you trying to sell the deal to them as you finding out what they want. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's always a case of it's your job to discover what's in it for the other guy, and many times you you do have to discover, and you can't just go tell them what's wrong. See, I've got friends who like boats. Now, you can imagine, all I need is the thought of wasting money on something like a boat. <laughs> so, you know, boat means bring out another thousand. So, but the fact that I wouldn't invest my money or throw my money away in a boat doesn't mean that if I'm talking to someone who says, gee, I want to throw it all in, sell my house, get a boat, and spend my life sailing, that I'm going to try to talk him out of it. I'm going to say, well, in the event that I could find a boat for you that you liked, is there any reason why you wouldn't give me the house? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, I don't have to agree with him. Mm-hmm. I need to find out what it is that he wants. Now, another thing that I see, I see people with vacant houses around. Of course, in Florida, everybody around the country sent money to Florida to build houses we didn't need. <laughs> so we've got an enormous oversupply of houses. I mean, enormous it's just staggering and i talk with people all the time who have a house couple i talked to recently inherited a home mother passed away the sister and brother have this house and they're thinking because it's free and clear they can just hold it so they've been a year it's been listed it hasn't been sold they don't understand that good deals are constructed so they're just waiting for someone to come force money on them (laughs) And so when I went to sit down with them, I asked them, you know, I said, now, you know, your mom's passed away. Uh, the house has been vacant. What are you doing about insurance? Because in Florida, and I assume most places, insurance lapses on a vacant house, or at the very least, vandalism does. And so this lady happened to be in the insurance business, and she said, oh, I, as a matter of fact, I knew that, so I got vacant house insurance. So I said, well, gee, how much is that? Well, $2,100. So I just wrote down $175 a month. And then I said, now your mom's passed away, so the house is no longer homesteaded. Uh, How much are the property taxes? Well, the property taxes are $3,300. Gee, another $275 a month. Well, now, do you you have the electricity on, or you just let the mold grow inside this house? (laughs) They say, oh, no, no, the electricity, well, that's $100, whatever. By the time we're done on a free and clear, nice, normal house in the neighborhood, it's costing them over $600 a month, and the brother's coming down mowing the lawn every 10 days. Well, until you discuss that with them so they understand that those are real costs, they don't think about it. They're thinking this is a free and clear house. So I, can, I will go to them and say, listen, I'll give you no money down and no payments. Now, their realtor, their barber, and their mother-in-law will all say, you can't take no money down and no payments. <laughs> but if you had the right discussion with them, that no payments is $600 a month that's no longer going out. And they must be brought to recognize that so they see what's in it when you make them that offer of no money down and no payments. And we don't buy and sell in much houses at all. Um, I've done in my 45-year career, and that's really what my sons have done, and I've probably lent to a half a dozen like that. 100% of those houses that have had to be fixed up to be resold, 
We've done precisely that deal where we've given them absolutely no money up front. We have taken over the burden of the house, including the financial burden, fixed it up, and then sold it so they could get paid and so could we. And we explain it that way in terms of benefits to both of us, what's in it for us and what's in it for them. And that is a very successful way of doing business. Now, if, if there's one other point that I find needs to be made with all RIA groups and, and people who are kind of dreaming about getting started, it's the fact that every single transaction you do, especially the early ones, the most, the single most important benefit you get from that deal has nothing to do with the financing or the closing of that deal to provide you with income or amortization or tax benefits. It has to do that when you help somebody and you make them a promise and then you keep the promise, the result is you get ongoing repeat and referral business. And the repeat and referral business that grows out of every successful deal gets easier and easier and easier. And for those people who are getting started, they have to know that it's very hard to get people to get comfortable. They have to get a rapport with them. And once you've got the rapport, suddenly the people are thinking about doing business with you. The big questions they have are, are you trustworthy and are you competent? So... Getting past that initial hurdle is hard. Once you've done that and proven yourself competent and trustworthy, the next deal and the referral deals get easier and easier and easier. And it always is distressing to me when I talk about the value of the deal and the deals, plural, beyond the deal, that so many people don't recognize the benefit that that first deal sets up or that today's deal sets up a future of tremendous deals that get easier and better all the time. We need to take another quick break. We're going to invite our listeners to call Pete with any questions you have at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or to send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from Cincinnati Museum Center. Starting March 29th through April 26th, experts present topics on Cincinnati history. All sessions are from 7.30 to 9 p.m. on Tuesday in the Recurt Auditorium. You can learn about geology in Greater Cincinnati, early settlement to the mid-1800s, Cincinnati 1850 to early 20th century, treasured artifacts on Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's response to World War II. More details at cincymuseum.org and 513-287-7031. Check on traffic now. We have an accident westbound 275 at Winton on the left shoulder, north 71 at the Norwood Lateral, and north 71 at Dana, both on the right shoulder accidents. And in Kentucky, a medical emergency west 275 at Kentucky 17 in the construction zone. We have backups on east 275 at Reed Hartman, west 275 past Winton, north 75 at Dana, north uh, north 71 at Dana, North 75 around Hopple, and again at Glendale Milford, South 75 heading over the Brent Spence Bridge. Tonight, clear skies, a low of 38 degrees. Tomorrow, sunshine in the morning, slightly, uh, partly cloudy in the afternoon. Tomorrow's high around 72, and then a 50% chance of rain on Friday, 100% chance Friday night, and 70% chance on Saturday, dry on Sunday. Right now, it's 67 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Pete Fortunato, who will be at in Cincinnati doing a two-day seminar on May the 14th and the 15th for the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati. You can get more information about that at CincinnatiRia.com. And um, Pete, I have I have taken several of your seminars over the years going back further than I would like to say. I mean, you can you can sit there all day and say, I've been doing this for 40 years, but I'm not going to tell people how long it's been since the first time I went to one of, of your seminars. Um, and one of the things that, that you're very focused on and that you, you uh, mentioned briefly a little bit earlier was the idea of the catalyst. Can yeah. can you can you can you can you start out by defining what you mean when you say catalyst? Because that's a weird word to hear in a real estate transaction. Well, a catalyst is a third party who brings something that's needed to a deal. Now, an example is a buy sell normal uh, buyer and seller. That transaction doesn't go together because the average buyer's got a hundred thousand cash in his jeans. <laughs> the lender who steps up and wants interest and cash flow and security is a catalyst in a normal deal that you'd expect a buyer and a seller. The seller would not get his cash except for the fact that the buyer is getting that house to give a mortgage on to make a lender feel secure. Well, for me, a typical deal is I buy a property and the seller finances it. If the seller won't finance the property or trade for the property so I can buy it with either terms or currency I like, then there's no place for me in that deal. I just would say, you know, keep your property. I don't, I'm not interested in buying a property and using a lender. What I'm going to use is the seller is going to carry the financing or trade. Now, however, once I've got that property, I need someone to make the, the note payments on that property or someone to provide me with income. That means for me, a necessary catalyst is a good tenant who will stay in the house, maintain the house, take care of the house for me, and pay me on a regular basis without bothering me, certainly without bothering me unnecessarily. <laughs> so the tenant, uh, when my son Mike got out of high school, he made an offer to an estate for a house that was offering a very nice house for $45,000. And the reason they were offering it for 45000 is there were nine heirs, and they each wanted 5000 So that was their appraisal. Well, we knew that that house would rent for $750 a month. We knew my son, just out of high school, had no money to contribute to this. So we had to build a deal that could be funded with a payment of less than $450 a month. Because from the $750, we had taxes, insurance, supplies, maintenance, advertising, cleaning, all these Schedule E expenses that you find in operating a property, which bring which reduce seven fifty to four fifty. So we made an offer to the estate of forty five thousand dollars at some rate of interest, payable four fifty a month until fully paid. And of course the nine people in the seven states said absolutely not, we want cash. And so of course I said to them, That's ridiculous, nobody wants cash and in talking to them, it turned out every one of them wanted a car. Had I had a car dealership, I would have owned that place that minute. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't. So, Michael, my son, came back and made an offer of fifty-five thousand. So we went up from forty-five to fifty-five, 
and kept our payment at $450 a month. Now, the reason for that was when they said, hell no, we won't do that either, we were able to say, we have an IRA that will pay $45,000 in cash for that note and first mortgage at the closing. Mm -hmm. And how I knew that I could get the IRA to buy it, I knew an IRA that bought notes and mortgages as an investment, and they liked discount as well as interest. So instead of saying 45000 at 12%, I said uh, 55000 at 9%, which discounted gave a yield of 12 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then I went to that catalyst, the IRA, that would buy an order discount, and said, gee, we have this estate, and they will sell this note. So my son, Michael, bought the house, no money down whatsoever. <clears throat> the IRA was the catalyst cashed out the estate that was 1997 and my son still has that house it's now rented at a thousand and fifty dollars a month uh he held that house while it went up from 750 uh, from maybe seventy five thousand retail to two hundred thousand dollars retail it's now back to seventy five thousand dollars retail but we don't care because we're investors we buy the property and we're holding it. My son has now got uh, 14 years of the 30 that he promised have been paid for by that tenant. That tenant is a catalyst for him. The buyer of the IRA, or the, the IRA who bought the note, is a catalyst for him. I have a friend who did a 1031 exchange into an apartment building. I was offered an apartment building over here in a 1031 exchange. He was in California. The apartment building was here in St. Petersburg. It had all the things that he wanted, except for the fact he knew better than to believe he could manage the apartment building from 3,000 miles away. When another friend of mine stepped up and lease optioned the apartment building from him, thereby providing on-site management by a guy who was an investor who managed many things, that manager became the catalyst that enabled that transaction to happen. Mm-hmm. I am a paper guy who takes paper and enjoys the income, but I'm always looking to trade that paper into houses because I want my children and grandchildren one day to be happy that they're related to me. So I don't want the paper in my estate. I want property, which I believe that the rents will stay somewhat close to even with inflation over the next decade or two or three or four. So for me, trading paper for property is something I do relatively regularly. Many times you'll get people who will be offered a property in trade, and one or both of those parties don't want more property. They're concerned about management of the property. They're concerned about a property being vacant. If they can trade that property to me for paper, they're happy with a note that has a history or that maybe I'm the maker of because they have some faith in me to pay. I then, as the provider of the paper, become the catalyst because I'll take those houses. And the catalysts are third parties that, from outside, wanting something different, bring something to the deal that enables people, enables deals to close. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Pete, uh, we have received a question from Lucy in Indianapolis that I am going to forward to you rather than asking you on the air. And Lucy, let me explain that by saying I promised Pete that we would not stray over into the political. <laughs> <laughs> and the question is about um, the impending theft of people's IRAs and 401ks by the government. So we're gonna we're just going to leave that one alone. Cause okay, we, but one thing I would like to say about that without taking off on my libertarian bent is if you're if you get a self-directed ira i'm assuming you built it up by good deals if you felt threatened you could unbuild it by bad deals so enough said on that (laughs) very good and uh we just have uh what Mike, a minute or two left, three left. Okay. Um, her, her other question, which was uh, perhaps a little, a little less uh, inflammatory and uh, that we've got, <laughs> we've got uh, about a minute to answer is, uh, have you ever done or would you plan to do any real estate outside of the U.S. and why or why not? Um, I would absolutely consider real estate outside of the U.S., um, it would just be whether I liked it more than I liked the property that I gave up to get it. Now, as an example, I offered to exchange a townhouse on the Gulf of Mexico here in Pinellas County for a, um, a farm up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And the, the lady who owned the farm in Canada, her mom lived here in Florida. And she came right back to me and said, well, gee, you know, my house is assessed for 40000 and your place is assessed for 200000 And I can't afford to give you anything to balance the equity. I said, I didn't ask you to balance equities. I'd rather have a farm with 20 acres because I have children and grandchildren, and I'd like a place for them to pretend it's 1953 and go run around and chase a dog and just, just be kids like I remember when I was young. And so that's important to me, and that's why I would have traded the townhouse here in Florida for that farm in Canada, just because I liked what I was getting more than I liked what I gave up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are at about the end of our time here, but you can spend two days with Pete at Cincinnati RIA on May the 14th and 15th. That is a weekend. It's worth driving however long you need to drive to do that because it's, uh, I don't know, imagine two days of this and lots of examples and lots of, you know math to back up what he's talking about uh it's good stuff and uh, you should check it out at cincinnatiria.com thank you so much pete for taking the time today to enlighten our listeners on how the real estate investing world really works and uh well thank you very much vina i had a great time and i really run short of opinions it's <laughs> yes, very true we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial real estate uh, financial yeah good we'll be back next week to put you back on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then happy investing This is 89.3 WMKV, Renning, Ohio. Let's join Local 12 News at 6 in progress as they talk about uh, a soldier from greater Cincinnati who was killed in Afghanistan. honor on the day he's buried. F- uh, final arrangements are pending, but we'll have them for you when they are announced.
Three people say they are hurt after an accident involving a school bus. The incident happened on the ramp from Hopple and I-75 merge, blocking the right side of the ramp. Police officers say one of the victims was taken to Children's Hospital. There's no other details about the child's age or condition. We will bring you new information as soon as we have it. A terrible discovery at a Warren County home. A woman found dead in her basement window. 44-year-old Esther Klein was discovered by her husband when he returned home from a business trip.